Hello and welcome to episode one of the BMcast. Not a podcast dedicated to spamming the Your Go emote on Arena, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the slippery bog bonder herself, Emma. Emma, how are you doing this week? Hello Scott, I'm doing rather well. How are you doing today? Not too bad, not too bad. So Emma, seeing as this is the first episode of this podcast, I figured we'd do a little introduction of sorts to sort of explain who we are, what we do, when we started playing Magic, that kind of thing. Um, do you want to take the first shot at it? Yeah, why not? So I'm Emma Partley. Um, you may see my content uh, at TCG Infinite every Tuesday, where I talk a lot about Budget Modern and Budget Pioneer. Um, in terms of Magic and when I started, I started at the tail end of 2014. Um, when Tail End of Magic 2015 and when Cars and Target came out. Nice. Um, ever since then, I've been slamming Siege Rhinos and been happy ever since. So my fun magic fact, it's nothing exciting. It's just more being, me being smart with really weird and obscure cards. Is um, At one FNM, uh, I was playing Bogles, which is no surprise if you follow me on Twitter. Um, I love Bogles. I think it's one of my favourite strategies in, uh, in modern. Um, I, I uh, casted a Wheel and Sun and Moon against my Dredge opponent. Uh, if you don't know what Wheel and Sun and Moon does, basically every time someone was to put a card in the graveyard, it would shuffle it back in, or put it on the bottom of the library, sorry. So every time my Dredge opponent went to Dredge, it just tucked it under the bottom and just kept looping and looping, and it was hilarious. That's beautiful. Also, Wheel and Sun and Moon has the, the benefit of having what I call the cough of the hammer test, where every time you <laughs> cast that card, the person immediately reads it because they have no clue what it does. As a as a as an ex scred player, I I'll never read a card of the hammer. Just so you know. Oh no, no for sure. <laughs> but every time I jammed Wheel and Sun and Moon or Cough of the Hammer, someone would just go, "What does this do? Have a look." And then the best thing about it is they'll look at it again because when you ultimate cough, you pretty much win the game. And then your opponent's like, "Oh no." Yep. How about you, Scott? Like I said, my name is Scott. I'm a writer for Hipsters of the Coast and I stream and put videos on YouTube as well. Uh, I started playing Magic back in 2017. I'm a little bit of a late bloomer myself. I um, started back in Am and Ket block, which is to this day still one of my favorite sets of all time. And fun magic fact about myself is I once scrape shot at someone for over 100 storm count. That is impressive. Were you against Soul Sisters by any chance? <laughs> it was, in fact, Soul Sisters, yes. <laughs> I feel sorry for the Soul Sisters player. Must have felt so happy. Like, oh, I'm on 100 life, you can't kill me. And you were just like, yeah, whatever, mate. I'm untouchable. Really? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, so, Emma, Core Set 2021 has just come out. And what are your thoughts on it yourself? I think it's absolutely fantastic. Isn't it? I'm so happy with the amount of reprints on it. Um, it kind of reminds me of Magic Origins, Magic 2015 sort mm. of time, where you had all these really awesome reprints. You have some really sweet new cards, and it just seems a really fun limited format. It is. I haven't had a chance to play much limited, but I do love a good core set um, limited format because it's a bit more black and white. You just got to play these individually good cards it's and kind of move away from the, the constructed reprints. Some good old-fashioned Magic. Yeah. If you want to get good at Magic, play core set drafts. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And like you said, the reprints are really, really good because, well, this being a budget Magic cast, um, the reprints are very, very good for budget players. 
And in fact, that's what we're actually going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about our 10 favorite budget cards from Corset 2021. We're going to explain why they're good, where we think they're going to see play. And I believe we have one or two honorable mentions. And if you want to start those off. Yes, we do. So I will start off with the big, the big reprint that kind of everyone had anticipated, which is Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Big Daddy Eugene. As, as someone who writes a lot of modern and wants to refresh modern, modern archetypes from a budget outlook, seeing Ugin the Spirit Dragon reprinted is so damn good because since the reprint, the card has knocked down like two thirds of its price. It's like close to like 20, 30 bucks now. It's so cheap. Compared to the 70, 80 it was pro- before that. It's For absolutely sure. insane. So I'm so happy that Ugin's back in the modern. I'm not excited to see it in standard when we've seen all these green X ramp decks. As you and me both. You have experienced, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> However, it's just really good. So if you're looking to pick up Tron in the next few months, pick up your Ugin's now because that price will not stay that low forever. I'm, in, I'm inclined to agree. Also, f- good for Commander as well. Mm. I don't know where it sits in Pioneer, though. I don't think I've seen much Ugin in Pioneer. There are a few ramp decks. There's, like, that Mono Green Planeswalker deck that was going for a while. Um, that got, like, turn 4 Ugin. Yeah, it's, Sounds like modern. It, yeah. I mean, we can get turn 4 Ugin in Standard now as well. Oh, God. Yeah. Rotation, <laughs> please, when? Oh, Rotation. God, I can't wait. But <laughs> moving on, we have one <laughs> other honorable mention. And this isn't kind of really an honorable mention. This is more of an asterisk because we couldn't really include this one in the top 10. Because if we did put it in the top 10, we wouldn't really have any suspense because we would know what the best reprinted card for this set is, wouldn't we? Yes. That card is Colossal Dreadmore. And if I was to put this in the top 10, it would be number zero. It would be above everything else on a scale of one to ten it's zero (laughs) it's it's god tier it's who doesn't love a six mana six six it's it's a thing of beauty i i I think we need some new art for it though personally i i i would not be shocked in the realms of wizards of the coast that there is a secret layer colossal dreadmore on the way if they have a secret layer memes i'm buying it it's gonna have stormcrow colossal dreadmore i'm pretty sure they've done that with stormcrow though Either a long time ago, or they haven't released it yet. They did like a, a sort of meme one. I have to dig it out, but but yeah, I've, I think I recall seeing a, a Stormcrow being mentioned somewhere. I'm going to have to look this up. I'll look it up after the show. But first, let's hit our list. And number 10 on our list is Eliminate, which is one and a black for an instant that reads Destroy Target Creature or Planeswalker with Converted Mana Cost 3 or less. Now, would you believe this is a card that I actually suggested we have not long after War the Spark came out. This, to me, is a, a beautiful, efficient little answer to nearly every single problem that exists in Standard right now, but also in Pioneer and stuff and Modern. I think this could see some play. I really like this card. Um, shame it says, shame it's a sorcery when there's a Teferi time ramble in play, but it's still quite good. Um, one thing I will note, I kind of see this as the budget Abrupt Decay in modern. I agree. I think it, ha- it hits a lot of the notes. Um, not that Abrupt Decay is super expensive at the moment, but if you really want to be money conscious, like Eliminate's going to be no more than like a dollar, mm. you know, and running four of those will be absolutely fine. Um, also, the art is really sweet. The art is sick. That's a new artist as well. Um, Chris Cold, I believe his name mm. is. Yes. Yeah, that art is sweet. Looks amazing. Um, I do want to ask you a question. Do you think Eliminate is too late for Standard? Uh, yes and no. 
Um, in terms of dealing with the likes of Teferi or Narset or anything like that, uh, yes. But is this going to be some premium removal come rotation until it rotates itself? Yes, absolutely. And to be honest, I think if anything, the further back in formats we go, the more impactful this will be potentially. Um, my reasoning behind this is because this kills Oko and Legacy even. It does. Mm -hmm. Also deals with like Renin Six in modern. Yep. And to be honest, there's a card that is technically budget, but is also technically not budget when it comes to modern, in my eyes, and that's Fatal Push. Fatal Push by itself is a cheap card, but it's only good if you can enable Revolt. And enabling Revolt normally means that you have to have fetch lands, which means you're no longer playing budget. I think Eliminate is a nice little middle ground that also happens to hit to Fairy Time Raveler and Renin Six, like you said. Um, so I think in terms of if you're going to build a budget mono black deck or jun deck or rock deck or anything like that in modern, this is probably the choice over Fatal Push for me. I'd agree with that. I think it's, I think it's very good. Um, it's a sort of, it kind of fills that gap, or I'll say fill the gap, it kind of expands the two mana black removal suite mm. that we seem to be super spoiled with at the moment, <laughs> which is not, it's not a complaint. That you're kind of going to get a bit of a headache when you're like, oh, should I run this? Should I run Cast Down? Should I run Doomblade? Should I run Grasp of Darkness, which is now in Core 21 as well? Mm. Yeah, and Heartless Act as well. Mm. I forgot about that one. That one's sweet. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of choices. I think personally Eliminate is probably one of the best ones. And I think likening it to the likes of Abrupt Decay is probably better or more accurate at least than the likes of Fatal Push or mm. Cast Down. Um, but yeah, it's it, a strictly better smother, I guess. Yeah, it's an answer I think we've needed in standard for a long time. And it would have been interesting to see how it performed if it came out during War of the Spark as opposed to Core 21. For sure, yeah. Okay, so next on our list, Emma, do you want to take this one? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. Uh, so it's called Ghostly Pilferer, which is a two mana, two one in blue. Um, it's a creature, Spirit Rogue. Whenever Ghostly Pilferer becomes untapped, you may pay two mana, generic mana, and if you do, you draw a card. Mm -hmm. Whenever an opponent casts a spell from anywhere other than their hand, you draw a card. And then you can go to discard a card, then Ghostly Pilferer can be unblockable. Um, this seems really fun in like Pioneer Spirits. It's just this cheap, evasive threat. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what it pairs up with Shacklegeist, which has also been previewed in Core 21. Yes. Um, it's, Shacklegeist seems pretty sweet as well. And it's, it's, it's uh, we talked about before the cast, uh, it kind of reads as like a mono blue hate bear, which is also a really interesting design. Yeah, for sure. The way I'm looking at it is slightly different. And I, to be honest, I think it's more down to my personal play style that I'm looking at it this way. But I think that this could see home in something like a, a, a tempo deck, like a, like a mono blue kind of deck, possibly in Pioneer even, because... It's 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 reasonable stat wise for for the for the cost like it's it's nice and cheap so you can hold up like a spell pierce on turn three or something when you play this or whichever, um, but it also allows you to gain some velocity through your deck because you can discard a card to you know you can pitch an additional island or something to make it unblockable if you put a a curious obsession on this and get it to hit through you'll draw a card off that and then when it becomes untapped you can pay another two because. You know, if you don't have the Curious Obsession, generally speaking, those decks tend to run out of steam pretty quickly. So this is another way to sort of get that little bit of extra oomph 
you know, to, to help pull you across mm. the line. And I do think that this is going to be something that could show up, not as a not as a playset now at all, maybe like a, a, a even a one-of or a two-of in those kind of decks. But I think it would have a home there, potentially. Very interesting. Um, if there is like a mono-blue tempo deck in Pioneer, because we had one in standard for so long, which was also super, super budget and great. Mm. Um, be interesting to see if that trans- transfers over into Pioneer at some point. I've been trying to force it for months now. Uh, it's it it's good if you're good but i'm not good so like (laughs) take from that what you will all right so the next one is one i've been quite excited to see Mm. uh in core 21 do you want to take it scott oh yes the scooze is back scavenging ooze is back in standard and now also in historic i guess as well a two mana two two with the ability to pay a green at instant speed to exile a card from a graveyard so it can be your own or your opponents and if it was a creature card you gain one life and put a plus one plus one counter on it so the main thing that i'm happy about here is having this in standard and beating uro with it it can outgrow an uro it can eat all the uros in the graveyard now granted it doesn't mitigate the initial value that someone gets off of actually casting the uro in the first place the three life the drawing the card the the ramping all that kind of stuff but it's just a good creature like it's fit into so many different decks across the years and is still seeing play in like jund in modern and sultai in pioneer and there's a mono green stompy deck in standard as well that's going to be pretty good with stuff like this coming into the format so i expect this to have a reasonable impact in standard but we have it in all of the other formats and the fact that it's getting reprinted making it so much cheaper now is amazing this is this is a card that everyone should have at least like two copies of in their collection, I think. Agreed. Um, I was looking at the prices of Scavenger News earlier and they're almost like two to three dollars compared to the eight they were each before the set came out. Um, it's just great. It's just so good just to have this versatile answer, which is also a win condition, um, just yeah. available on the cheap for everyone to, to pick up. Also, it makes Jund and Golgari Rock that slightly bit cheaper. <laughs> compared to before that is, ever so slightly that is that is a pipe dream if ever i've heard of it yeah <laughs> um so next up we have got a nice little one this is a downshift from rare yeah so it's our magic origins favorite vrin wingmare um so for three mana so that's two generic and a white you get a creature pegasus at uncommon uh this pegasus has flying and all non-creature spells cost one more to cast, so it kind of has a Falia Guardian of Fraben effect uh, on a 2-1 body, which is reasonable. Um, yeah, I, I was a big fan of Ring Wing, Wingmare when it came out in um, Magic Origins. There was a, like a white weenie taxes beatdown deck nice. around that featured wing, uh, Ring Wingmare. Um, yeah, this seems great. Um, I imagine from Historic, this is going to be really interesting as well. This is copies 5 through 8 of Thalia for Historic, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like also the fact it's downshifted. This is just me. It, it's probably a slam dunk in my peasant cube, and I've been after oh, yeah. this kind of effect for a while. Um, so I'm quite excited to incorporate it in that. But no, it's like a cheap, versatile effect, and also it does work out as a budget Thalia Guardian of Fabian for older formats. True, true. There have been budget decks that I've seen before of um, of Taxus style decks that have just used Rin Wingmare in place of Thalia. Now, granted, the extra one mana is a hit. For sure, there's no there's no denying that, but it's about one percent the cost 
of Athalia. Yeah, so. and it, it's, <laughs> it's also more evasive. Like, the first strike on Thalia is nice, but mm. I think I'd prefer flying in most cases. Um, but no, this is a sweet reprint. I'm very happy to see it in Core 21. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it, it's particularly good when you're looking in standard and three mana Teferi is still around. It would still be good on the play. Um, because if you yes. go turn three, Vryn Wingmare, past the turn, they can't turn three to Fairy. That that's good. That's important. <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't be as good on the draw now if they if they get the Teferi down before this, but you know. We'll we'll make do. It just seems really nice in those sort of white weenie low to the ground aggro decks mm. that people seem to enjoy making on arena. It's just like a really nice hoser. Also it just wears enchantments really well, like stuff like Sentinel Eyes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's a little more expensive to put those auras on, but when they're on, they're, sure. they're, they're good. They're on, they're on. <laughs> um, so this next one, I'm quite excited for this one in Pauper Same. of all formats. Um, do you want to take it? This one is, as you said, this is a common. This is Village Rites. It's one black for an instant. And as an additional cost to cast the spell, you sacrifice a creature and draw two cards. This is insane. It's instant as well. An instant, like, this is just, this is definitely the cheapest that this effect has existed and has been instant speed. Because we had, what was a costly plunder? was like one and a black for an instant. Yeah, and you got a, you had to sack a treasure or something? I think it was sacrifice an artifact or a creature and draw two. Yeah, that was it. But the difference between one and two mana is enormous. It's the biggest difference in in mana costs is between one and two. And to have this at, at... instant speed for one black is just it's bonkers it's absolutely nuts it's so good um i do remember when war of the spark came out Mm -hmm. uh uh, like mid last year a lot of watsy designers came out saying yeah we really want to push the power level of like commons and uncommons yeah to create a more affordable way for people to play magic and so forth um i'm pretty sure this is an example of how much they're trying to push the power level of commons and I'm yep. really excited to see where this goes in Pauper. I imagine Mono Black Control runs some kind, some number of this. It could end up becoming a little more sacrifice based, possibly. Um, mm. It could go. It could go into. Oh, what could it go into? Oh, it could go into Golgari Tortex, Tortured Existence. Oh yes. Because that wants at, it at instant time. speed, being able to just sacrifice maybe a Grave Scrabbler that you've madnessed out in order to then dredge. Stinkweed him twice and then yeah. discard one of those to get your Grave Scraveler back to discard it to then madness it and get recur it and gain so much incremental advantage. Uh, that yeah. sounds like my dirty kind of nonsense. I'm, a, I'm on board for this. I'm on board. And also you can, you can kind of see Village Rights as a, as a defensive card. So if someone tries to remove one of your threats, you could be like, nope, I'm going to draw two cards instead of you casting this removal spell. Yep. Um, I'm not sure where it fits in standard, um, like a mono black control deck or mono black slash Gary devotion deck could be a good home for it as well. I have been playing around with a mono black sacrifice deck and oh yeah, it, yeah, it's a, it's a budget list I've been running around with um, because it uses the cat oven combo and um, it has priests of forgotten gods, the one that looks like in the in the art she looks like a DJ, looks like she's DJing, yes. I call her DJ priest, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so running that and then like the you know just the, the simple things like the scorpion and, and all those like little recursive threats and stuff and then like call the death dweller but four of this immediately went into the deck because playing something for one mana like the scorpion and then sacrificing it to drain them for two and you gain two and you draw two cards 
like you could just churn through your deck with this. Not to mention, in Rakdos sacrifice decks, you can use Claim the Firstborn to steal your opponent's creature, attack with it, yes. and then sacrifice it and draw two cards. That sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty disgusting. <laughs> I can confirm. I've tested this. It's fun. It's nasty. It's so disgustingly good. But no, Village Rights, it just, like, I remember when I first saw the previews, I'm just like, wait, what? Is this real? <laughs> this is absolutely crazy. I'll, I'll admit, I initially wasn't high on this because I didn't see that it was instant speed. Yeah, it's the sort of effect you kind of expect at sorcery, at a hot, or if it is instant, like there needs to be an extra cost, whether it's mm. in mana or an extra sort of, you have to sacrifice two creatures to draw two cards or something, like, something similar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one mana instant is crazy good this is the 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 ideal example of power creep in our in our game yeah definitely what have we got next emma um it's a it's a much loved commander staple no doubt to celebrate the year of commander that we are in the middle of core 21 so the reprint of solemn simulacrum well sad robot sad robot um so at four mana or four generic mana you get a artifact creature golem as a tutu when Solemn Simulacrum enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a basic land card, put that onto the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle your library. Um, once the sad robot dies, you draw a card. From a commander's perspective, this is absolutely great because you can never have enough sad robots, ever. Agreed. In modern, you kind of see fringe plays of it, like mono blue Tron. I was going to say blue Tron, yeah. That comes to my mind. <laughs> And even then, it's not like a super expensive card. Admittedly, it can be quite hard to find because commander players tend to stockpile all these sort of cards for the mm. 50, 100 decks that they have. So having this in standard and like in a in a newer set is quite good. I'm not sure where it fits in standard outside of like the Ugin Ramp X decks. Yeah, there are some. I think I think there's a bunch of Simic decks in in standard at the moment that that are looking to ramp out to Ugin. Uh, well, that, that, they're the ones that I'm dying to on, on the regular. Um, so, yeah, Sad Robot, it, it has shown up a little bit. Um, I would like to see a mono black deck in standard running this. Like a mono black mid-range, like you said earlier, like a, like a Gary style deck. Because, like, sure, it doesn't add devotion, but it ramps you up to the fifth land for Gary. And it can block and, and replace itself. Like, that's, that's pretty good value. Also, if you run village rights, you draw three cards. <laughs> How greedy do you want to be? <laughs> let's, ja let's jam village rights in every deck. Let's go. I mean, I'm up for that. <laughs> um, speaking of desired reprints, we've got a cracking one for next one, Scott. Oh, yes. Fabled Passage, uh, the land from Throne of Eldraine, where you can tap and sacrifice it to search your library for a basic land card, put it into the battlefield tapped, and shuffle your library. But if you control four or more lands, unlike Evolving Wilds or Terramorphic Expanse, you get to untap that land. This is possibly one of the, the fastest reprints that we've seen. Because this was only in Throne of Eldraine, which was only two or three sets ago, and now it's being reprinted again. Um, I think Colossal Dreadmaw would like a word. Oh, you? yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Lord Dreadmaw. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, has, it has dropped significantly. At one point, this was about 15 to $20, I think, at some point. Um, yeah, it was really high. This is a fantastic card. This is, in my mind, this is the budget fetch. For basically any format. Like, I know it's not ideal that on, like, turn one, two, or three, that in modern, for example, it will come in untapped. But I'll definitely say it's better than nothing. And it's better than spending 70, 80 plus dollars on Scalding Tarns, the Rainforests. Yep. Agreed. 
one thing I do like about Fable Passage, which the other Fetchlands don't offer at the moment, is that you can play Fable Passage in Standard, Pioneer and Modern. So the mm. mileage on Fable Passage is absurd and you're going to get your money back just from the fact that you can use it across those three formats. You're definitely going to get your value back. Agreed. Um, and, as, and I agree with you. I think it is the de facto budget fetch going forward and it's really good of Wizards to reprint it so early on. Yeah, because it, it only, like I said a minute ago, it only came out in two, three sets ago. It's very rare for them to reprint cards like that so quickly. Yeah, I don't, maybe they missed the memo when people went reprint fetches, you cowards. I think, <laughs> I don't know if they meant, if they meant Fable Passage or... I, I mean, they're technically right. They're technically right. I mean, I would happy to have Fable Passage as sort of the staple reprint going forward. For sure. Moving, getting rid of Evolving Worlds. Yeah, I'm really happy with this from someone who likes to build budget decks. It even sees play in Pioneer and everything as well. Now, I know it doesn't see play in general in Modern, but, I mean, there's nothing stopping you from running it. Like, Prismatic Vista is the one in Modern that, personally, I would love to see them reprint the stones out of. Just reprint it into the ground. If you're, if you're yes, not going to agreed. reprint many fetches, just reprint that one a lot. Like... And make that really cheap. Because I remember when Modern yeah. Horizons first came out, that was like $5. It's like $20 now. Which I know is not super expensive in the grand scheme of things compared to other fetches like like Tarn or Rainforest. But it's still 20 quid though. And it only gets basic lands. And when you kind of weigh up what fetch lands can do over Prismatic Vista, surely... like Because you have like the Khan's fetches, which are kind of dropping in price now. So stuff mm -hmm. like Windswept Teeth and Flooded, uh, Flooded Strand are cheaper than a Prismatic Vista. Yeah. Surely it should be the other way around because Prismatic Vista can only get basics, whereas the Flow Strands and Windswept Teeth can get X basics and shocks. True. Um, but yeah, I agree. I would love to see Vista printed to the ground because that's great. Yeah. Fable Passage is almost that card, but um, it's still pretty good. I'll take it. And what's next on our list, Emma? What have we got? So, it's, it's, guess what? It's another reprint. <laughs> um, and it's another green card. Um, so we have Heroic Intervention. Mm. Um, so it is a instant for one generic and a green. Um, permanent you control gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Before Core 21 was previewed and this card was previewed, Heroic Intervention was about 20 quid. Or 20 quid to 25 bucks because it is played deeply in Commander because it is essentially a green counter spell oh, yeah. excluding Veil of Summer. So the fact that this is reprinted is great. A lot of low to the ground, like green X strategies will want this as a way to protect themselves from board wipes or targeted removal. And yeah, it's just really, really good. And I'm so happy it's got reprinted because it was not worth the, the 20 to $30 price tag I had previously. No, not at all. Like I, 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 look, I look at Heroic Intervention and I think it's just kind of like a little bit better than Blossoming Defense. Yes. You know, now I know I'm saying that as, you know, someone that doesn't really play Commander a whole lot. So it's, it's one thing to like give all of your permanents indestructible while everyone else's can get wrecked. But personally, like I, I, I play, you know, I mostly play just the, the regular constructed 75 card format. So... You know, Blossoming Defense is normally used in place of Heroic Intervention for the most part because it's just giving something hexproof, you know. But um, yeah, yeah to, to have that kind of price tag on it is is insane. But, yeah, uh, and it's in it, another reason why it's so expensive because Commander, in, in a pod of four, there's going to be about 10 or so board wipes at least mm. on the table. 
and they're going to be regular. And if you have a counteract to that in the best coloring commander, it's going to go up and up and up. So sure. the fact that this is reprint is really great. It has some application like Pioneer and Modern where you can, like I run it in the sideboard of Bogles mm. to stop um, like board wipes and uh, to mitigate the fact if I don't have like an Umbra to protect my Bogles. Um, it's just a really good meta call in, in sort of meta games where board wipes are just everywhere. It's just like a big Uno reverse card, get out of my house, <laughs> let me kill you sort of thing. So very yeah. happy to see it reprinted. Yeah, it's a good card. Good card. Glad to see it very in standard again, but will will it see any play? I, it saw, it saw, I remember back in, oh, it's Kaladesh Aether Revolt it was out. I can't remember which set, but it saw quite a lot of play because alongside Blossoming Defense, they uh, like the green X Pummel decks. Mm. Also oh, yeah. played this as as just a way just to be like nope no board wipes, um, because our because there's a lot of board wipes around at the time. So, Pummelers a sweet deck. I miss that deck so much. I remember when it was in Pioneer for a hot minute. I still have it built for Pioneer. It's so good. <laughs> I I sometimes like okay well not now because we're in the middle of a pandemic but occasionally I would go down to the to the Pioneer event that'd be on the LGS and people would be are, are normally like oh you're the Is it Phoenix guy or the or the the Breach guy and then sometimes I'll just show up a pummeler and they're like oh yeah this sounds gonna be real good against like those kind of strategies and then they just get <laughs> pummeled like out of nowhere. Yeah. Beautiful. See what you did there. I would you believe I did not even spot that. I need to up my game. Um, so this one's a new card. Do you want to take it, Scott? It is a new one, and it's very interesting. This is a Planeswalker. This Is this the... Well, bar, bar Ugin, this is the only Planeswalker we've talked about. And this is Liliana, Waker of the Dead. Two black black for legendary Planeswalker, Liliana, with four loyalty. And its plus one is each player discards a card, and each opponent who can't loses three life. And minus three is target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of cards in your graveyard. And the minus seven says you get an emblem with at the beginning of combat on your turn, put target creature card from a graveyard, not just your own, onto the battlefield under your control. It gains haste. What are your thoughts on this? So I think about things from a modern perspective. This just screams to me budget Liliana of the Veil. Yeah. Um, especially for the first two abilities. So let's look at the plus one. The plus one is a discard. Liliana the Veil also does a discard. The upside is that you can bolt someone essentially if if it comes up, but it's not really relevant. But the fact that you can discard mm -hmm. a guard is great. Um, the minus three is very similar to her minus three, Liliana the Veil's minus three, where you sacrifice a creature. Admittedly, hexproof can be a little awkward, but hexproof's not that popular in modern True. as much as i try it to be <laughs> um and you fill your bins so much in modern due to fetch lands and all sorts so this minus three target can target a lot of stuff and the minus seven's not quite as game breaking compared to what liliana of the veil does but just yeah. stealing like a primeval titan or just some big gnarly threat from someone's graveyard just seems great as as an option if you want to, but mm. I can perceive this having a similar play pattern to Liliana the Veil, where you just plus one, you plus one a few times, you minus a few times, you just keep her in play. You don't yeah. really go for the ultimate and go, yeah, this is the win the game mode because the resource denial is the win the game mode, which I think Liliana Waker of the Dead does very, very well. Yeah, absolutely. And 
the plus one where each player discards a card you can easily build your deck around gaining advantage off that with okay admittedly it doesn't see a whole lot of play right now but like lingering souls kind of thing or even in yes. like a like a slightly go, because of the four mana cost on this is slightly go bigger um than than you would normally see in say like the eight or ten rack decks or the pox decks yes. where you know you can discard cards you can discard like a raven's crime which can later be retraced or or a lot of the decks now run like cling to dust which can be escaped later in the game which is yeah. incidental graveyard hate which can then cantrip there's a lot of play for that kind of ability i think agreed and it may be weird to talk about like a mythic from an unreleased set as a budget card but when we talk about linear the veil this is going to be way much cheaper than that absolutely um I don't, I don't expect this to be heavily played in standard. I don't either. I might be wrong. Not until a rotation, at least, I would say. Yeah, I can see like some fringe playing Pioneer and maybe even in modern, but I can just see her being a really good placeholder instead of Davriel, Rogue Shadow Mage, as that linear of the veil sort of spot. And while it's not a like-for-like -like replacement, it's pretty damn close. To be perfectly honest, I would not be surprised if I saw like Green Black Rock in Modern adapt this in addition to Lily of the Veil because if you had both out, you are stripping your opponent's hand in a matter of two turns and then you're constantly bolting them and killing anything that comes down. This is it. And then you've got Liliana Last Hope, which does a lot as well. So you could just run like Liliana Tribal and just go nice board state, nice hand. Oh, wait, you don't have one because we're discarding two cards every turn. Um, but no, I just think she's really good, and I'm really surprised to not see many people not talk about her, because yeah. I think she's the closest we're going to get to a Liliana the Veil-esque card for some time. Mm. Yeah, I think one of the reasons behind that was possibly because Teferi is the big shiny planeswalker for this set, and is. it is showing to be pretty good, um, so it might be still hogging a little bit of the spotlight from Lily, but... It's, it's also, it's the kind of sort of play patterns and stuff that don't really work very well in standard at the moment anyway, because yeah. card advantage doesn't really matter. Killing your creatures doesn't really matter. You're just getting to Ugin and winning the game. So See, that's it. As, as I said earlier, roll on rotation. I cannot wait. <laughs> so I, we're nearly at the end of our list now. We've got one more to go. We do. And this one is really on theme in terms of colour pairing for me. Mm. <laughs> I, I think so, yeah. So this is this is a really sweet one. So it's Conclave Mental. So for a green and a white, you get a creature centaur cleric, which is a 2-2. Two -two. Um, and it reads, if one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on a creature you control, that many plus one plus one counters are put on that creature instead. When Conclave Mental dies, you gain life equal to its power. With this card, it is very similar to Winding Constrictor, which we saw in Kaladesh. I can anticipate Hardened Scales-esque decks shifting to green-white instead of black-green because of this card. I think you might be right, because I don't, think, I don't think there's a need to go Abzan to have both Winding Constrictor and this and Hardened Scales, because eight copies is perfectly fine, I think, of this kind of effect. But white gives you access to so many better sideboard cards in particular, like you get Rest in Peace and you get path to exile as well in white in if we're talking modern in, in modern yeah path to exile as well yeah it just white is just better so you, get, you have like horizon canopies the mana base just seems a bit better and it'd be interesting to see where this lands in standard because you have this you have like stone coil serpent you've got scavenging ooze which gets counters like pelt collector is there's just some sort of green white like counters there until rotation you also have venerated loxodon you do which also puts counters on stuff so it, it, it kind of feels like there's a green white 
X, like green white counters sort of strategy waiting to be figured out and also not to mention it's really good for like walking blister and hangabout walker in like pioneer and modern for sure um even without even without mox opal i still think hardened scales is very playable in modern could we see a green white hardened scales deck that also runs the heliod ballista combo i mean it's pretty free right <laughs> it, it's free real estate as far as i can see yeah this is it I'm a big fan of running decks that have this sort of get out of jail free card that I can win on the spot. If I can't do combat damage or what I'm meant to do, I can go, cool, I can get this Heliod, I can get this walking blister and I can just machine gun you down. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, you just slide that in, right? <laughs> Imagine it's a pioneer deck already. I mean, if it's not, I'm certainly going to start brewing. Mm. No, this is, this is a really good one. Also, it goes in my peasant cube because it's great. This is true, actually, yeah. You can have like an Abzan counters archetype, right? Yeah, so black green counters is already a um, a mechanic or an archetype in my cube, mm-hmm. but th- having this sort of effect in green white, it, green white is very rare. So I'm just slamming it in because counters are fun and it's a very greeny ability. So for sure, yeah, should be interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I think this is the one card that if I was to play red in Pioneer, this is the one card I definitely do not want to see because. If yes. you if you fa- if you face this down like even if this just chump blocks or just trades for for uh, like an idol on of the great revel or something like that, um, it'll still gain life equal to its power and it'll trade. But if this gets large, like it needs to be dealt with. But then when you do deal with it, you're gonna get say if this gets three counters put on it, like that they're still gonna gain five life from that as well. And they've had to waste like two burn it's spells huge. on it. That's an enormous swing. It really mitigates the sort of life resource that you play in modern, for example, where you have like mm. the horizon canopy lands and whatnot. And it's a free attack in most cases because people are, oh, gee, I don't want to block into this because I don't want you gaining life. So we've got to take two, three, four damage. And, you know, with like Artbound yeah. Ravager and all that nonsense, I imagine it can get quite out of hand. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Oh, it'd be card. terrifying with Artbound Ravager, actually. Yeah. Which is also really cheap now, thanks to the, uh, the Mythic Qualifier promo. I was looking at it the other day and I saw they were like going for like seven to ten dollars. And really? I'm just like, that is really cheap considering how good Artbound Ravager was in modern years ago. Admittedly, we don't have Mox Opal, so it's probably helped yeah. us somewhat. But it's just really surprised me how cheap it was. Yeah, for sure. The thing is, like, I've just just on the, the, the Mox Opal there, like, I've I know this is going slightly off topic, but. I mean, there's been there's been many times where I've played like budget affinity in modern and it plays the exact same as like normal affinity if you just don't draw your mox opal. Like it's still yeah. pretty good. Still very good. Um like we're seeing in historic, now tempered steel's in historic, you know, you've got oh, yeah. these really sweet sort of artifact aggro go sideways decks. And you could easily build like a budget affinity without Mox Opal with like Tempered Steel and this and this Conclave Mentor and you could probably do quite well with it. In addition to that, I remember Jim Davis did a um, Loxabots oh, yeah. budget list. Well, it wasn't budget, but it, it you can make it budget where you just run all your frog mites, mm-hmm. go wide with artifacts and then you just cast a venerated Loxodon. You just go big and go sideways. I can get behind this. This sounds good. That that would yeah. that runs like Thalia and stuff as well, so you can you can slow down some other. It can decks. run Thalia. It runs it runs Gingerbrute, my breaded son, who's also quite good when he's got counters on him. Agreed. 
Agreed. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to open up Arena and start brewing. Yeah, I think there's something definitely there. This is a really fun build around, which is, I think, it's a good foundation for budget decks. If you find this really cool card like Conclave Mentor, you're like, yep, yeah, I just want to build around it. I want to be really counters focused. Do some do some maths and go sideways. For sure. One one important point to make about Conclave Mentor, though. What's that? Still dies to eliminate. It does. <laughs> that does a lot of things. That's true. Um, so that is it for the the top 10 budget cards from Corsa 2021. Um, what do you think, Emma, is your top pick out of all of this? I know we didn't really do it in a, in a numerical order, but if you had to pick one card from this top 10, which one would you pick to be the best one? Ooh, the best one. Um, I think I have to go with Scavenging Ease. Nice. I think that's... I wouldn't say it's like the best in terms of like card quality and just its role in modern and pioneer is so good. It should be affordable and versatile to pick up. Yeah. So I'm just really happy to see it because it, it, it has a lot of utility and it's also a win condition. It's just a really good card and I'm just so happy to see it reprinted. It's long overdue. Um, and as you say, it deals with like Uro, Croxler and all this sort of graveyard synergy that's going on in standard as well. Yeah, for sure. What's your favourite? Well, strangely, like, you, you know myself, I'm, I'm normally an is it sort of tempo or combo kind of player. So mm. it, it, it's weird for me to say this, but I think it's Eliminate. I, I really think that that card sure. is possibly one of the most efficient removal spells that we've seen. I would say since Fatal Push, at least. Um, I really think that people, like, people know it's good. But I really don't think yes. people know exactly how good this is just yet. Until they start doing stuff like killing Uros, killing Ren in Six, killing Oko in Legacy, and then realizing that this kills nearly everything that's relevant. Agreed. Um, it's, it's really nice to have a removal spell that just answers Planeswalkers. I think this is like one of the cheapest sort of Planeswalker removal threats I think we've seen for some time. That, at that rarity and mm. at a reasonable mana cost as well not like assassin's trophy for example yeah the only other thing cheaper is spark harvest which is garbage oh yes it is garbage if anything you know this should be the other way around eliminate should have probably been a more of a spark but yeah better late than never though i guess i do want to give a special mention and it's not on our top 10 okay. that pack leader is the best lord ever and i will f die on a hill I'll, I'll i'll die on that hill with you because i just lost to it in limited like three games in a row so did you really? Oh. Uh, if, 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 if they get to untap with it and they attack, it just prevents all damage that can be dealt to it. It's, it's unkillable. It's so hard to kill. <laughs> in limited anyway, but I'm definitely going to try and make Doggo Tribal work in at least standard, if not more. Actually, we could probably do it in modern It'd be with all the shapeshifters. Yes, because that and I believe a load of hounds got errated to dogs. So if we can find out that list, I'm pretty sure we can do Doggo Tribal. I did have a look through that list, and unfortunately, all of those good doggos are pretty bad. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. The best doggos are actually changelings. So. Oh, okay, okay. Which I can, I can live with. You know, like you get Pack Leader, and then you get the, the, the Unsettled Mariner, um, and, yes. and a few other things. You just have, like, maybe blue-white doggos, maybe Esper doggos. Yeah, you got um, Selfless Saviour from Core 21, which is also quite good. Although it is a 1-1 one -one with no abilities, and I will also die on that hill, though, if someone says it has any abilities. That is true. It is a vanilla 1-1. One -one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has that important uh, dog typing. Um, but no, Pack Leader is like probably the best Lord we'll ever see in an under-supported sort of creature typing. 
I think I think what they're going to do with the hound, um, with the hound change now is that they're they're setting up for another like another set that's going to have a lot of dogs in it. At least that's what I yeah. want. I want to see like, I want to see Zendikar. I want a good boy set. I want to see the new Zendikar set coming out, and it's just going to be like dogs on adventures, and I'm I'm all here for oh, it. Yes. It's like the really sort of dog films where they actually have human voices. Yeah. They're really sort of cheesy, sort of good, feel good like doggo films. And, you know, I hopefully hope Zendikar is just doggos everywhere. Many good boys. I'd be I'd be one hundred percent on board for that. They would take all of my money. Yeah. <laughs> so that is gonna be it for episode one. Um did you have fun, Emma? Did you enjoy yourself? Oh, I had fun. I love talking about sweet sets like Core 21. I I just love talking. (laughs) Same. Thank you for listening to the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com. You can follow us at the BMcast on Twitter, search for Budget Magic Cast on SoundCloud, and support us over at patreon.com forward slash budgetmagicast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.